I'll ask you to take your Bible and open to James chapter 5. If you do not yet have uh, one of our Sunday school lessons, we're going to finish off lesson 7 uh, this morning, praying for healing uh, in our series on prayer, asking and receiving. Uh, lesson 7 today, praying for healing. If you need uh, a handout, if you put your hand, hand up, uh, we'll get one to you. Uh, we'd love to get a lesson to you. Brother Bonnie has those. Uh, if you need one of our, if you don't have notes yet, please get your hand up. We'll get one to you. Uh, lesson number seven, as we, uh, we're going to do a little bit of review, and then we're going to uh, finish out this lesson seven this morning. Uh, we're going to start in James chapter five. James chapter five, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. You're not staying here, JC? You're not staying in here? Okay, you can go. Lesson number seven this morning. And follow along with me. I'll start in verse 13 of James chapter 5. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's pray together. Lord, as we continue examining this subject of prayer, Lord, how wonderful it is that we can ask you. How wonderful that we can ask and we can receive of you. Lord, as we pause this morning on this Lord's Day morning to think about prayer, to think about praying for healing, Lord, I pray that we would receive truth, I pray that we would put aside our preconceived notions or our ideas or our feelings. And Lord, may we be willing to receive exactly what the Bible says, nothing more, nothing less. Lord, I pray you'd help us today. God, help me to teach you right your truth. Lord, I pray you'd help us to receive it well. Lord, would you change my life and my heart, help me to understand better this matter of prayer. Uh, Lord, we, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for the great opportunity we have. Uh, meet with us, help us this morning. In your precious name we pray, amen. We looked here in James, and we've been talking for a couple of weeks about this matter of prayer, uh, praying for healing. And I, I'm not going to belabor the point, but I, I want to mention again that if you look at Jesus' earthly ministry, you will find that in those three or three and a half years of ministry that we have recorded just a little microcosm of that time of ministry, uh, what you find is that Jesus was often, often in the business of healing people. You will find that he was often accosted about healing. You'll find that often there were blind, there were lame, there were halt, there were those with a withered hand uh, who needed healing. Uh, there were those who uh, Jesus would raise from the dead, but 
it, it was normal and customary, and it was, if you will, the pattern of his life for there to be uh, healing. This week at camp, uh, I stayed in a cabin, uh, had, had such, a, such a beautiful mattress. It uh, must have been the most comfortable mattress in the world. It was about this thick. And I think it was made of, uh, of nails and uh, concrete. And but when I got up in the morning, uh, after I finally got up and began to move, uh, I went downstairs, and the very first thing I did is, uh, this is going to be shocking to most of you, I made coffee. Now, you expect that uh, because, you know, Pastor Rice, he's going to have coffee. I, guys that come in, like, what are you doing? I'm like, what is that? I'm like, it's called an AeroPress. Like, you're grinding coffee beans? I'm like, yeah, you better believe it. I'm making coffee. Now, that, that's customary for me. Can I tell you, customary for Jesus and his ministry was healing. And we see that plainly. Uh, as they cried out, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They knew that Jesus' custom was that of healing. Point number one, I want to catch you up, those of you that missed some notes here. Point number one I gave you two weeks ago, sickness is a proper subject of prayer. It is a proper subject of prayer. Don't let anyone convince you that it's not proper, it's not right to pray about sickness or health needs. The Bible tells us plainly in the book of James, is any of you afflicted? Let him pray. Let him pray. It is a proper subject of prayer. A sickness, without a doubt, is an occasion of prayer. I believe many times God gives us opportunities to pray, number one, because He wants us to talk to Him, He wants us to understand our need for Him, and He wants to give to us something. And how wonderful that we can go to Him in prayer. Remember, prayer is asking. The answer to prayer is receiving. And we can ask about health needs. It is a proper subject of prayer. Mark 11, I gave you this, uh, just a quote, read it for you very quickly. In Mark 11, it tells us, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. If there was nothing in the Bible that directly related to health needs, if the book of James didn't exist, if we didn't have this passage we started with, we have principle after principle after principle of prayer just in the Gospels that would let me know and let us understand that it would be a proper thing to pray about a health need. Now, I said, number one, we see that there, it's, it's a proper means of prayer. Uh, number two, sickness or praying for the sick is proper during this age. Now, there are many who would say, yes, it's okay to pray uh, for healing and pray for health, but that time to do that is past. It's too late to do that. How many of you have ever had a coupon for something, maybe at a fast food restaurant, and, and you, you go through and say, yeah, I've got a coupon here for, uh, you know, six dinosaurs and uh, five, whatever it is, and, and they say, well, I'm sorry, sir, that promotion's over. And then you look at your coupon, the fine print, you look at it like this, and you realize, oh, yeah, that's been in my glove box since uh, 1937. Uh, that coupon is no good. It's expired. It's past the time for it. Can I tell you that the matter of praying uh, is not past? It's very much uh, proper today. 
just as it was for the disciples to pray, it's proper for us today to pray for healing. Just as it was proper uh, in the Old Testament, it's proper today. There are many that try to deny that, many that try to, as I've mentioned, try to chop up the Bible and, and chop, chop up truth and say, okay, you get this part, uh, this part's not for you, it's for someone else. Uh, but it's very plain that praying for healing, praying for the sick, is proper during this age. And I'm not going to, I gave you much material there, but I'm not going to go back into that. Number three, uh, I want to catch up where we, uh, to finish off here this morning. Number three, the prayer, the Bible says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Here's the condition for healing, the Bible says, the prayer of faith. it's, It's not some kind of, a special magical thing. It's not some uh, work that we do. It's not uh, some certain formula. Uh, It's not some carnal excitement. It's not some special, oh, I got to make sure I follow this pattern. The pattern is faith. The ingredient is faith. The Bible speaks of anointing with oil, and and there are times the Bible speaks of the That one being sick, being anointed with oil and prayed for. Understand, oil is not magical or special in and of itself. It's not some spiritual element that, man, that's the ingredient. Man, that's the healing oil. Oil, rather, is just a picture to remind us of the Holy Spirit. That it's not a physical element. It is a reminder of the spiritual uh, that it is the Holy Spirit. Uh, Leviticus. Uh, speaks about the tabernacle and the altar and the vessels and the laver and the base. They were all anointed. Now, they were all anointed to sanctify them. Uh, The Bible says to sanctify them and that Aaron was anointed as well. Why? To sanctify him, to set him apart. So as we think about uh, what is the cause of healing, it is the prayer of faith, the Bible says, that saves the sick. Uh, it's not some magical thing. It's not some uh, work that we do. Uh, verse 13 of our text in James says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Now, it doesn't say if you're, if you're afflicted, you know, make sure you find some oil and pray. It just says pray. It is a matter of faith. It's a matter of prayer. Uh, we see that plainly in Scripture. Mark 6, 13 says, And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil, many that were sick, and healed them. It was a matter of faith. Romans 12, 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 8, For to one is given by the Spirit a word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge, uh, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit. It, it is a matter of faith. Now, number, number four, number next, I gave you last week, uh, a question that we answered last week is healing in the atonement or when Jesus paid the price of the atonement for my sin, did it also include the healing? Did it also include the healing? Now, whenever we, uh, you go to a restaurant and you order a meal, and you look at the menu, you look at the price. By the way, let me help you with something. If you ever go to a restaurant and there's no price on the menu, if your budget looks like Pastor Rice's, get up and leave. 
If they, if they don't announce what the price is on the menu, you don't want to know what the price is. I remember one time my wife and I were trying to go to a restaurant uh, called Tecalatlan. Tecalatlan was a uh, Mexican restaurant in Chicago. Um, next month I'll probably go there when I go to the pastor's conference. But it's, it's a Mexican restaurant, reasonably priced, great food. Well, we found out that they opened a new restaurant connected back then with Tecalatlan. And I thought, man, let's go there. We went there, and man, it was fancy. I mean, like, wow. Uh, you know, a guy with a towel in his arm that led us to the table. And uh, he was wearing, I think he was wearing a tux, man. It was high class. And I sat down, I thought to myself, man, man, I'm never eating Tecalatlan again. Man, if they serve the same food, I'm eating here. This is fancy. And then we looked at the menus and realized the menus were different. And then I looked for the prices and realized there was no price on anything. I looked at my wife and I said, we're leaving. She said, we just got here. I said, I know. And I, I can tell you right now, we can't afford to eat here. I said, if they're not giving you the price, <laughs> we, we can. And I did ask. I said, hey, how much is this? When they told me the number, Brother Maud, I almost had a heart attack. As I said, you know what? Thank you for the water. We're leaving. We're out of here. Uh, we got out. We, we escaped before the bill came. We didn't, we didn't order anything. Uh, but many times you order something in a restaurant, and, and then after you order and the food comes, the, they come and say, hey, would you like dessert? I'm not a big dessert guy. I'm not a big sweets guy. I know I look like I am, but I'm not. And I always say no. The only time I say yes is if I'm somewhere like the uh, old spaghetti factory where you get free Spumoni ice cream. It's included. You don't have to pay for that. I'm like, man, if it's included, man, bring it on. I'll take it. If I already paid for it, I want it. But I'm not paying anything extra. Now, the question we answered last week is healing and the atonement. Did, did Jesus pay for that? Was that enough? Uh, many folks uh, wonder. Now, understand when we speak about did Jesus pay for the ability, if you will, to heal as well as redeeming my soul from hell, uh, the answer we looked, and we spent a lot of time here last week, uh, is yes, but uh, as we're going to see in the next couple of points, uh, we'll understand it a little better, but absolutely, I have been redeemed. I belong to him. He's paid the full price for me. Uh, this death on the cross covered all of sin, all the debt of sin, all the result of sin, uh, paid for uh, by the death of Christ on the cross. Amen. Now, with that said, though, Number five, it is not always God's will to heal. So, did Jesus pay the price? Is it enough? Yes. But Christian, we need to understand this morning, it is not always God's will to heal. So, Pastor, how do you know that? We have examples in Scripture. We see plainly in Scripture. Healing's in the atonement in the sense uh, that it, it's, it's paid for. He's, he has the ability to do so. Always heal or get perfect health. Uh, we see some people in the, uh, the Bible who were not healed. Elisha. You ever heard of Elisha the prophet? Elisha the man that held up the, uh, the mantle of Elijah and says, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Elisha that God gave a double portion of his blessing to. The Bible says about Elisha in 2 Kings, Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness. 
whereof he died. Now, was God not powerful enough to heal Elisha? He was. It wasn't God's will. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and by the way, this is after the atonement, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, we have the Apostle Paul pinning uh, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Trophimus, have I left at Miletum? Sick. Hold on, Paul. Why would you leave him there? Why didn't you heal him? Why didn't God heal him? It wasn't God's will. I don't think any of us would argue that Paul was probably the, uh, the greatest preacher or missionary or, or servant of, of Christ in the New Testament. Amazing what God would do with Paul. But it was not God's will. Will at the time to heal Trophimus. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 27. We read about Epaphroditus. By the way, a wonderful man. Faithful servant, a faithful messenger. The Bible says in Philippians 2, Epaphroditus was uh, sick nigh unto death. Sick nigh unto death. The Bible says because of his earnest love for Christ, that literally uh, he was nigh unto death. If you will, I believe the Bible teaches, literally he, he spent himself to the point where his life almost ended for the cause of Christ. He pushed himself so far that there was almost nothing left. Besides all of those, we have the example of the Apostle Paul. Paul, a great servant. Paul, a faithful man. Paul, who had a thorn in the flesh, uh, a physical ailment. Many, many people believe it was dealing with his vision. It could have been many things, but uh, many Bible scholars believe, and, and I, I'm of the opinion it probably was his vision. It speaks about, Paul says, you see how large a letter I have written unto you? Uh, most likely it was a vision issue. Paul probably had struggled to see and struggled in writing. By the way, it doesn't seem like that would be good when God would use Paul to write. It was a struggle. Paul's like, Lord, Lord, remove this thorn from me, this, this thorn in the flesh. And God said no. And Paul asked again, God, I know you're able to. God, remove the soul of the flesh. I, I think I could do a better job of serving you. I could fulfill my purpose better without this. And God said, no. Lest you be exalted above measure. It was not God's will to heal Paul. And Christian, it's not always God's will to heal you. I remember praying for my pastor when he, this month, it was 23 years ago. He was in the hospital. We thought he might be dying. And I remember praying. I remember being with a dear, dear man who was in charge of the evening college. When I was in Bible college, Dr. Darrell Moore and myself were in his office. and We had a prayer meeting together, and we were praying for our pastor. And God, if it be your will, heal him. It wasn't his will. I remember as I prayed in that office with Dr. Moore, I remember as I prayed, I said, God, whatever you decide, I'm going to praise you and thank you. Whatever your answer. When I got the news that my pastor had slipped over into glory, I wasn't happy that he had left me, but I was happy that I knew that God's will is perfect. And I praised him. It wasn't what I wanted, but it was God's will. God's will is not always to heal. 
Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God. Hebrews 9, 27. By the way, it's appointed unto men once to die. Did you know even those that God healed? I think of Lazarus. Lazarus was risen from the dead. That's pretty powerful healing. <laughs> I mean, you don't get any better than that. But did you know it was just temporary? I don't know how long Lazarus lived after that. But I know that Lazarus eventually died. I know Lazarus eventually lay in a tomb and never rose again. Now, he will one day. The last day when the trump shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise. But Lazarus died. All the folks we read about that were healed, the lepers, the blind, all of those in the Bible that Jesus interacted with and healed, ultimately, the healing was temporary. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. So it's not always God's will to heal. We close with this thought last week, and we're going to pick up here number six. But it is usually, I believe we see in Scripture a principle for this, it is usually God's will to heal in answer to prayer. The Bible says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt, Jesus prayed. So as we ask for his will, we need to realize that He's able, and we see oftentimes that God does heal. The Bible says in Romans 8, He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The Bible says ye have not, because ye ask not. Now, if God tells us, if you're afflicted, let him pray. Why do we ask? To receive. Why would God say, hey, if you're sick, ask me. If you're sick, ask. Come ask me. At camp, the last couple of days, I brought a, a baggie of stickers. We've got several stickers for our, at our church. And uh, we've done we, for the servants conference, we, or for our uh, preachers and workers conference. We had stickers for Camp Joy. We've got church logo stickers. We've got youth involved logo. We've got lots of stickers. And I grabbed a bunch out of the office before I left because teenagers love stickers. And I, I told the teenagers, I said, hey, when you memorize verses, if you memorize three of the verses they had for the week, I said, you come see me, I'll give you a sticker. Man, they were coming to see me. And then there was a sticker of me, some of you have seen the sticker, uh, of me wearing a do-rag. How many of you have seen that sticker? Uh, Brother Colton took the, the picture off of a video from Chicago years ago at a teen activity, and he made a sticker of me with a do-rag. It's an epic picture. And I had a few of those, and I said, now this sticker, I said, you can't get this sticker unless you do six verses. And the, as soon as somebody had six verses done, Brother Maude, they were coming to see me. Man, I want one of the stickers. Uh, and it was a sad moment whenever the first person came after they were all gone. I, I have all six. Where, where's my sticker? I'm like, Sorry, they're all gone. Now, they, they, they were coming to ask why they wanted. Why would God say to you, if you're sick, pray? Ask me if he didn't want to answer and have ability to do so. 
Is any afflicted? The Bible says, let him pray. I believe most usually when we pray, God can and does heal, but not always. God is not your genie in a bottle. You don't command him. By the way, you don't speak the word of Christ over anyone. Uh, that, that, that bunch of garbage needs to be in the garbage can with all the other false doctrine in the world. Uh, we need to stick with the Bible, uh, not this matter of, you know, I, I command God to do this. No, you don't command God to do anything, ever. Amen. By the way, if you think you command God to do something, you, you have a serious problem. Uh, there's some serious issues in your understanding of the Word of God. Prayer is not my commanding of God. But often God does heal. Number seven, should Christians use doctors and medicine? And I've got to hurry here. Uh, we looked at this last week. We see King Hezekiah was sick unto death. We see the prophet uh, spoke to him, and the prophet told him to go and get some medicine. Uh, and he used it. God used that. He said, told him to get a lump of figs and lay it as a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. Uh, we see that Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned to Timothy, take a little wine for that stomach's sake. Uh, it was a medicinal need that he had. Say, hey, use this medicine, this issue. Uh, there are many who think that, oh, God, God just, you know, he's going to just heal, and uh, he, he doesn't need man, doesn't want to use man. Uh, medicine's evil and wicked and vile. But you can't mesh that with Scripture. Now, you can make it up in your own mind, and you can become your own God, and you can decide what you think God should have done, but you can't tell me from Scripture that God doesn't like us using. God says that He's given us every herb-bearing uh, seed. He's given us every aspect of creation for use for, uh, for our good and for God's glory. And we see that principle. We see in the New Testament uh, that Luke was called the beloved physician. Now, if doctors are evil, if medicine's evil, uh, explain to me why Luke wasn't called that wicked, evil man, but rather the beloved physician. So, Christian, don't get things out of whack and think, well, God, I need to pray for healing, and man, uh, doctors are evil, and hospitals are evil, and medicine's evil. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, our very first response when we have a health need, I believe, ought to be to pray. But I believe we ought to be praying as we're on our way to the hospital. Amen? Uh, on our way to, to get treatment if God would allow. Understand we, we, we can't uh, get out of balance or out of whack. Scripturally, we can't use that uh, we see in Scripture. Number eight, sin hinders healing. Sin hinders healing. When there was no sin, there was no sickness. Before Adam took the fruit, and by the way, I said Adam, not Eve, because God blamed Adam. God said one man sinned into the world. It was Adam, it wasn't Eve. When Adam took the fruit and sin passed upon all men, before he did that, there was no sickness. No arthritis, praise God. Uh, no colds, uh, no flus, uh, nothing. Not a sniffle, but sin, but sin. 
sin and the result of sin in our world is all the brokenness in our world comes from sin. Sickness and pain and death come from sin. And God gives us a picture in the book of James about this matter of sin. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. By the way, that doesn't mean that if somebody's sick, it's because they're a wicked sinner. I got a text from Brother Tim this morning. Tim's sick. Now, he is a wicked sinner. Uh, but no, I, I didn't say, boy, <laughs> that's what I thought. Man, Tim's a reprobate. He's sick because, no. Don't, don't get things out of balance again. And say, well, when someone's sick, they might, the disciples did that. The disciples said, Lord, this guy's sick. Who sinned? Was it him or his parents? Who can we judge? Who can we look down our noses at and say, yeah, we're better than you? That's what we want to do sometimes. We want to lift ourselves up by pushing somebody else down. It doesn't mean that if someone's sick, it's because they're a sinner or they've done some horrible thing. But sometimes, sometimes I believe that is the case that sickness is a result of sin. It's not our job to judge that. It's not your job to judge that. God's the judge. He's not looking for anybody to work for him. Uh, he doesn't need any help or, or uh, vice, uh, uh, vice judges. Uh, he's the judge of the world. But the Bible speaks of sin here in this, this passage about healing, that if there's sin, we need to deal with it. We need to confess it. We need to forsake it. Sin hinders healing. It has to be confessed. It has to be forsaken. Uh, God sent sin, or God sent sickness uh, because of sin to Miriam in Numbers 12, to Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26, uh, to Gehazi in 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, they were struck with leprosy because of their sin. We see King Jeroboam uh, had his hand withered because he attempted to seize the prophet of God in 1 Kings chapter 13. In the New Testament, King Herod was smitten of God and worms ate him because he took the honor as a god in Acts chapter 12. Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead at Peter's words in Acts chapter 5. Elmas, the sorcerer, was made blind for his sin in resisting the gospel before the deputy when Paul preached in Acts 13. When Jesus healed the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda, uh, Bethesda told him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. When Jesus healed the palsy borne by four that got dropped down through the roof, we see that he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. The Bible speaks about this matter of the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. It says that many are sick among you because they take wrongly of the Lord's table. They dishonor the Lord's table. And because of that, God has made many sick. In, uh, we see that in Corinthians chapter 11. We see that sin is tied very plainly with sickness. Very plainly. <laughs> Number nine, and I've got to hurry here. Number nine, we see a, a personal testimony of healing and answer to prayer. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Now, we have, the, we have the word of God to give us truth. 
But we see in the New Testament, we see the word examples or examples of the Old Testament that God gave us. But God not only gives us examples in the Old Testament, God gives us examples or examples and testimonies uh, of many now and today. Uh, we, could, we could look uh, throughout history and we could, in your own life, uh, in, in our church, uh, in uh, others' testimonies of what, how God has healed and what God has done. I remember years ago, March 1994, that was a few years ago, uh, almost 30, yeah, 30 years ago. Wow, I'm getting old. And it was near the end of March, about a month away from now, 30 years ago. And I got off of a bus in Chicago, a, a church bus, not a city bus. And I went around in front of the bus, and I went to cross the street to go get some teenagers to come get on the bus. And when I went past the front of the bus, a car whipped around the bus, came in the oncoming traffic lane, and popped me right as I walked in front of the, past the bus. When it hit me, it tossed me in the air like a rag doll. I ended up in the middle of the sidewalk on the other side of the bus. I had slip-on dress shoes on. My shoes were down by the stop sign at the end of the block. I took the whole front clip off of the car. I ripped the mirror off the car, caved the whole side of the car in. It was bad, very bad. The car had to be towed away. I got up. <laughs> I sprung up, no shoes on. And I was kind of in a bit of a shock, maybe. Didn't feel any pain. And because I went across the street, I got the teenagers I was going to get. I brought them back out, got on the bus. By that time, someone had gone to get my shoes down at the end of the block. And when I got on the bus, every person on the bus just went, just stared at me as I got on the bus. I sat down, and the driver looked at me, and he said, uh, Brian, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I think so. Everybody stared at me all the way to church that night. About the time I got to church, I started to feel what had happened to my body. The pain set in. My brain is a little slow sometimes. And I went to services that night, and after church that night, I got on a bus, and I went back to Chicago, and we took folks home and dropped them off and came back late at night. And when I got back, somebody said to me, they found out that I was hit by a car. And they, they said, were, were you hit by a car today? I'm like, yes, sir. Did you go to the doctor? No, sir. And in no uncertain terms, he says, you're going to the hospital right now. And they took me to the hospital. And I got in, and a lady doctor met me there, and she began to examine me. Now, my suit jacket had been burned completely through from the friction of the accident. My dress shirt had been burned through. A couple layers of skin burned through. Here on my leg, I was black, I was green, I was yellow. 
Uh, I was like every color of the rainbow. Uh, and the lady looked at me, and she said, you have this broken bone, this is broken, this is gone. She, she proceeded to tell me all these things that were wrong with me. And I was in pretty good pain. <laughs> and I said, well, that may be the case. And, and I looked at her, I said, ma'am, I said, well, I'm praying that uh, I don't have any broken bones. And when I said the word pray to her, it was like I smacked her in the face. And she was angry. And she said, well, don't bother praying. There is no God. And she began to yell at me and, and even swore at me. And I said, ma'am, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'm going to pray. I said, I'm going to pray that there are no injuries. And we'll see if there's a real God. Now, that's a scary thing to do. Because she could have come back and said, no, this is done. There is no God. She left the room, and I began to pray, I, not because I cared about my body. I obviously don't, as many of you know. I, I, said, I, I prayed, and I said, Lord, I said, I want this, this doctor to know there's a God in heaven. I said, God, not for me. I said, not for anything for me, but would you, if there's a problem, would you deal with it? They sent me for x-rays, and she was telling me this and this and all these things that happened, and they sent me for some more x-rays, and she came back in the room after the second round of x-rays. And she was very demure. And she said, uh, Mr. Rice, uh, you have no injuries other than external bruising. And she said, but the first x-ray showed more than that. She said, I can't explain it. I looked at her and said, ma'am, I said, I can explain it. She said, I don't want to hear it. I said, I know you don't want to hear it. I said, but there is a God in heaven. There is a God who can answer prayer. And can I tell you that there is, still is a God in heaven? Amen. God doesn't always answer our prayer for healing with yes. But I believe he can. The Bible gives a principle in the book of James about this matter of healing. And as we think about this wonderful thing, in the, Old, in the New Testament, it's, it's amazing to me that it appeared to be the most natural thing for people to pray and expect God to answer. That's become unnatural to us today. We've perverted this matter of prayer. Uh, we've perverted this matter of trusting God. We've perverted this matter of believing God. We, we've become fools rather than trusting we need to believe and understand that God is able, that God may answer prayer in this matter of healing. Now, as we close, we're going to continue on next week with another thought about prayer. But understand when we pray, when we ask God, we are not putting God to the test of whether God is good or not. When I pray and ask God to give healing... It's not, God, if you love me, you'll heal. It's not, God, if you, if you really love my mom or my dad or my cousin or my brother, or my, then, God, you'll heal. If you don't, then I know you don't love me. No. God is love. You can't change the character of God. You can't change it. Sometimes it's not his will to heal, but he can. 
be reminded whatever God's will is, God is good. Whatever God's will is, God loves you. I told the teenager the night as I preached, as I was encouraging them, I asked them, I said, would you have the courage on Friday night? I said, would you have the courage this evening to pray a very simple prayer and pray, God, would you want me in your service? I said, I'm not asking you, will you volunteer? I'm asking, will you pray and will you ask God and ask God for an answer? And then I said, I know there are some of you who you're not at a place in your faith now where you're willing to ask God that. And I said, know this, God still loves you. You know, the fact that maybe your, your flesh says, no, I don't want to ask God that. That doesn't mean that God says, okay, then you're no good. I, I don't love you. No, that doesn't change. God's love for us, God's acceptance of us, God's desire for us isn't dependent upon our actions or our attitude. And by the way, his decisions regarding his will doesn't reflect his lack of love or lack of a, a lack of a commitment for your eye. Rather, he gave himself for us. He loves us. And he is able, and often it is his will, may we simply ask him. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I pray you would help us. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we grow in our prayer life and our understanding of prayer. May we see prayer simply as asking and realize you want to give us, you want, to, you want us to receive answer to prayer. Lord, I praise you that you're able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Lord, would you bless us this morning, be with those that are traveling yet to be here. Now, Lord, I pray for many that are uh, traveling and away this weekend. Lord, I pray you'd bless them. Now, Lord, I pray you'd put your hand of protection round about them. Uh, give them a blessed time of refreshing as they are away. Um, but Lord, would you meet with us today? God, would you help us uh, be with us in our service to come? In your precious name we pray. Amen.